Welcome back to the Shema Podcast, my friends, and part two of Horse and Rider with Rabbi Wolgelinter. Welcome to the Shema Podcast, the podcast for the perplexed, where Torah insights intertwine through personal stories as well as interviews with leading Torah scholars demonstrate the empowering qualities of Torah and mitzvot. For more great Torah learning through Torch, the Torah Outreach Center of Houston, go to torchweb.org. Now to the show. What am I going to do about it? So practically, what am I going to do about it, right? What, right. What, what am I going to do about it? So you say, number one, I'm not going to allow that to get in the way of the things I know I need to do. So that's number one. You're not going to win. I know that trick, right? right? I know that trick. I know what you're trying to get me to do. You're trying to get me not to pray. But even though I feel like a low life, and even though I have this emotion and I feel down and I feel I'm, I might even be on in, in this some sort of funk or depression and I'm, it's dragging me down, but I know that trick. So I'm able to step away from it and say, now let me analyze it. Is there a way for me to channel that? I feel down. I feel broken. Well, maybe I need to come to God as a broken person and say, God, I'm broken. I am. Help me. Maybe that's exactly the emotion that I need to understand where I'm holding in life. Not to just sit on the emotion, internalize it, and say, I'm broken. That's the end of the story. But rather, I'm broken and I'm going to do something about it. I'm broken. I'm going to turn to to Hashem to help me with it. Like a a common emotion, negative emotion, I feel, is is overwhelmed. A lot of stuff going on at work. I got a lot of goals of learning and learning for work and all these responsibilities. So feeling overwhelmed, right? But that you're right, that can be turned into something very positive because it also can be very well attached to humility and staying for the presence of the Almighty. It's like, help me. There's no way that I could do this without you. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I know acutely inside of me that there is so much ahead of me in this project, life, whatever it is. Right. My hands are tied without you being able to untie them. Which is a very positive thing because humility is the ultimate goal, really, to become closer to Hashem. So you could, yeah, you can rechannel that for a very positive purpose. Exactly. Exactly. That's pretty amazing. Okay. I think that you just said it like, you just said it perfect. You take that emotion and you say, now, 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 what is the next step? Is the next step paralysis, which a lot of times being overwhelmed leads to uh, throwing your hands up. And it's, I mean, paralysis, right? I right. can't work today because there's just too much to do. Right. That's a crazy I don't know thing. where to begin. That's yeah. a crazy thing. I don't know where to start, right? <laughs> it's like, that's crazy. That's a crazy thing you ever heard. When you when you look at it from the outside, that, that's crazy. Yeah. If someone would tell you they can't work today because there's just too much to do. You'd look at them like they fell off, fell off the moon. What right. What are you talking about? So get to work. Right. Okay. So that's every, every one of these things. I mean, it's every one of these negative emotions. It's channeling it. What am I going to do about it? And a lot of times, the answer is, Hashem, this is what I'm feeling. You just turn to heaven, right? You develop your relationship with Hashem to the point where you turn to Hashem and say, Hashem, this is what I'm feeling. I have a body and it has emotions. And there's this emotion is coursing through my veins right now. I cannot win without your help. And just you say those words and all of a sudden... I don't know if we talked about this before, but all of a sudden, that stress level or that anxiety level, all of a sudden starts to lower. Why? Like you just said, because of humility. If you have to control everything, that's 
quite right. overwhelming. Yeah. If it's all up to you and all riding on your shoulders, the company, the family, the livelihood, the the errands, whatever it may be. Right. If it's all riding on you, that's a big burden to, to, to carry around. Right. But all of a sudden you say these words, you just, wherever you are, you turn to Hashem and you say, Hashem, there is no way that I could do this without you. And all of a sudden your brain flips. Your brain tells you, now you're sharing the burden with the ultimate carrier of all burdens. Now you're sharing the burden with a being, with with Hashem, who never gets overwhelmed. It's never too much for Hashem. Right. Okay. Now, all of a sudden, it's not all on me. Okay. Let's break it down. And now you can go into your... You know, your kind of uh, your psychological steps that you need to take in order to whatever tools you use. If it means making a list of the things you need to do and knocking them off one by one. If it means putting a certain amount of them to the side and saying that's not for today, even though it was part of my overwhelming list. It's not for today. I will get to it. Okay, you put them aside. But now you're sharing the burden. And you're only doing that as a result of being able to process that emotion and not allow it to take take over your entire being take over who you are okay that's a great tool set right there for that with that one emotion harnessing it for something very very positive if i if on, on days when everything's just firing off right and i'm highly productive and things are going my way i'm probably making the mistake of not feeling as connected to hashem because i got it i got it <laughs> i can <laughs> handle must. this i can handle this right <laughs> So what about those moments when, you know, I know a lot of the emotions begin with the thoughts. It's the thoughts we hold in our mind. You know, you be very careful because you can hold thoughts about maybe things happening with work and those can lead to a lot of negative emotion causing you to potentially make a very poor decision on how you interact with a colleague or, or, or someone and you know, like I, I don't need any of this raw emotion involved in this interaction. But it's just like sometimes, you know, like I, my my only line of defense is, as I mentioned in the intro, I just go, I work out. It just sort of diffuses right. a lot of it. Right. But like, and, and that works. That is a band aid solution that I've had my entire life. But I get a little envious when I know that I see people that don't have to work out every morning and they're chill and they're joyful and they probably don't have to like I said have fitness goals of not being an a-hole right. i mean it's just like right. they just do like like why do i have such unbridled emotion that feels like it's so hard to control sometimes right so when you start noticing patterns about yourself right yeah so there's one reaction and i think it's a very typical reaction is that a person says listen i thought about myself i know who i am and this is just who i am right whether it's a positive or a negative thing, it's just like this is built into who I am. But I think that when we do that, right, and we just kind of come to an acceptance of, listen, if I, if I, you know, in your example, if I, if I'm not working out, then I can be a jerk, right? And right. so if I miss my workout, listen, this is who I am, right? I'm just that guy, okay? I'm just, I'm short with people. I'm sometimes mean, uh, sometimes condescending. That's just, you know what? That's just who I am. That is a trick of the Sahara. That's a trick of the Sahara. That, that's true. And I did sort of frame it like it's, I, I do recognize it's like the body. It's like, you know, the, 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 the body that I'm trying to control. I'm trying to steer it. And I do know it's sort of not me. Mm-hmm. 
but it's still my job to to make it docile and follow my commands. And it seems like I'm definitely not the dog whisperer. In okay. This. okay. Okay. Good. So, but when you when you get a new dog, right? When you get a new dog, what do you have to do? You have to train it. Right. So the beautiful thing about life is that we're not expected to be fully trained, right? Right. You know, I used to say like after you get married, right? You have to you have to be housebroken, right? Like you have to like you have <laughs> to sure. learn like how the how the house works and it's this is your wife's house, right? So you have to learn you got to you got to fit in here, okay? But the beautiful thing about life and Hashem and our mission is that you're not expected, you know, uh, by the time you're 20, you should be fully trained. That's not the expectation the expectation is that you have a life mission of going through and training yourself and training yourself to do those things so you're given certain things naturally you have a person who is naturally gets angry very easily very short fuse mm-hmm. so you have two choices you have two choices either you go through the rest of your life saying this is just who i am i'm a person with a short fuse right. and then you figure out like you said band-aid solutions to that, you know, sometimes or every time I interact with my kids, I first need to have a beer, right? <laughs> or, or you know, like I get home from work and the first thing I need to do is have a beer. Why? Because I'm, I have a short fuse and I know that if I don't, it's just it's not going to be good. Okay, that's Band-Aid solution. Or you can actually attack the actual mida or character, the actual part of you that you say, that's something that I can actually make strides on working it on working on right and i can actually work on that and then you come up with tools real tools to attack it head on to be in a battle with that part of you and i think that 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 is the real that's a real challenge right not accepting not ex- not just accepting that i have this junk that's going to come around with me for the rest of my life. Not accepting that as the, this is just who I am. And rather engaging with it in a, in a positive way, engaging with it and figuring out tools how to engage with it. I think that that is, is a major challenge, right? The Yetzirah the is, is called, the rabbis, the, the, the Talmud tells us that the Yetzirah the is a old foolish king, right? What does that mean? An old foolish king. So let's go, let's break it all down. So he's a king. The Yetzirah, the evil inclination is a king. Because sometimes it feels like he's just completely in control. And sort of left to, left without a battle, he does take over, right? Like we talked about before, you can go through a period in your life, you can go through even minutes or hours where you're not, you're not fighting against him. Well, guess who's in control when you're not fighting against him? He's the king, right? Okay, so he's a king. We got that. What does it mean he's old? Why are the rabbis telling us he's old? He enters the scene oh, very, very good. early. Very good. As soon as, soon as you come into this world. Very right? good. Base understanding is, is that like minutes after man comes into the world, there is this character called a snake, and that's the representation of this force. He's crouching at the gate. He's there. He's waiting for you. Exactly. Right. And, and, and not only he's old, but he's old in your, in your own day-to-day life, right? He's been with you since birth almost. From the first moment that you realized that there was a thing called doing right and wrong— there was this thing pulling you to do wrong. And for some reason, right, constantly making these wrong decisions. Think about your teenage years, right? Uh, you're, you're just constantly doing the wrong thing. And that's just, that's, he's old. He's old. He's been around for a while. Think about it in your 24-hour period, right, of, right. Day, of each day, right? You wake up in the morning. He's right there waiting for you. Hey, good morning. Welcome right. back. Yes. So nice to see you. But there's another explanation. There's another reason why he's called old. 
Okay. Is that he wants you to mirror his attitude of being old. And what's the attitude of being old? He says, I'm old. This is who I am. I'm programmed like this. I'm programmed to pull you away from what you want. This is my mission in life. And he says, you're also old. You know what old means? Old and set in your ways. You're also old. Static. Yeah. Yeah. You've been like this your whole life. Right. You've always had this part of you. Right? Right. You you know, you go to the extreme. You've always had this demon or this skeleton in the closet, this thing that comes around with you. And sometimes you're able to distract yourself, right? If the movie's really good, then you're able to not think about that part of you that you don't like. Right. Or if the ball game is really good, right? Late in the ninth inning in a tie game, okay, you're not thinking about that. But you start walking towards the car after the game and that excitement starts, you know, starts going down. And all of a sudden this thing is back. This little demon, this little guy, this little uh, skeleton in your own, in your in, inner closets. And, but he says, you're old. You're old. This is who you are. This is who you've always been. You've always had this. And he wants you to believe that you are old just like him. And the minute that he gets you to believe that, that it's just part of you, that these negative emotions and your reactions to the negative emotions are just, that's just how you are. I have a short fuse, okay? You, everyone around me has just got to be aware of it, right? It's like, right. but why are you accepting that? Why are you accepting that negative emotion? Why aren't you developing a, a path to getting away from it and to leaving it in the distance? And the only way to do that is to say every single day and every single moment, I am new. I am new and I can rid myself of all these things that I thought were just part of my life forever. I'm not old. The minute that we give in to being old, by the way, in one of the, in one of the major prayers that we say around the high holiday time, there's a, a paragraph called Shema Koleinu, where we call out to God, hear our voice. And one of the lines we say there, we do it, we do it with the chazan, the leader says his line, and then we repeat it. And one of those lines is, Al tashlichenu le'es zikna. Don't let us get old. Don't let us get old. So okay. simple level, simple understanding is like what we said before is don't let me get old and lack the energy and just be an old person who's, you know, kind of waiting for the day of death and so, you know, kind of waiting out their years. Yes. That's simple understanding. Okay. But we're going one step further. Don't let me get old. Don't ever let me get complacent with who I am and just say, this is the way I am. I have X problem, whatever the problem is, and I carry it around with me. Don't ever give in to that because that's the trick of the, the old tricky king. That's his trick. And he's okay. all about trick. And that's, that's one of his major tricks is you're old just like I'm old. Gotcha. Okay. okay. That's, and that's a major insight when you talk about emotions. I, I believe that what the rabbis are telling us a major insight when we talk about emotions is not ever accepting that that's just who I am. They're, they're, they're not, they don't define who we are. They, okay. They're out, they're external. They're external. For sure. You can control them. You are in control of this story. Right. And look, I mean, the whole, you look at all the holidays, clearly God is telling us that you control the emotions because he's t- dictating to us how he wants us to feel. The the 10th commandment, he's telling us how I want you to feel. Correct. That's what I was mentioning. Like this is the task at hand is to, is to harness not only our thoughts, but the, the emotions of the body to, to commandeer it. But so I appreciate these tactics. It seems like anger is an emotion that derives from frustration 
that derives from trying to control things that we don't control. Agree. Okay. Yes. So you're now at that emotional state of anger because you're trying to control something you can't control. How would you recommend channeling that? I mean, I guess you could channel that towards controlling something you do control, which is sort of battling the yet's Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You just sort of flip it back on itself. Like you, you say to yourself, there is certain things that I control. Right. Right. I can fight against this. Right. Okay. That's step number one. I control whether I get angry. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. But also it's going back and analyzing, like, what are those things that are triggers for me? Yeah. And why? Why is that so triggering? You know, everyone has, I believe, as I heard from a, a great, a great rabbi, he said, everyone has certain things that their spouse does that in for any rational reason, they cannot explain why it sets them off. It says everyone has those things. Right. right. And what is it? It's usually something left over from your childhood. Maybe the way you saw your parents or something that you witnessed. And it's playing with this little memory. Right. right. And so now it's happening in your life. And we have it like we have it in work also, you know, someone who comes out of a, a, a bad working relationship or a bad, you know, a bad work environment. They get to their next Job and like they're hyper vigilant not to repeat that problem, right? Not to repeat whatever it was that situation, right? And then the boss is like, Whoa, I don't know why the guy just stormed out of the office. All I said was, Do you think, you know, next time you're at Starbucks, can you get me a coffee? And what's the guy thinking is, Oh boy, here I go again because I was the gopher at my last job and that's what I did. I spent my whole day getting everyone lattes, right? right? It's like, but, and all of a sudden the the boss says to him, you know, Hey, next time you're at Starbucks, I I would love a coffee. And the guy's just flips out and he walks out of the office. He's like, I'm not getting you a coffee. He's like, Whoa, right. That was a little overreaction, but we have stuff like that in the house also where there's something that shouldn't in with logic, intellect, with those type of things, it shouldn't set us off. Right. And then, all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, that was that was out of the ordinary. But I think that being able to analyze those situations afterwards and really apply your mind towards it, and this is where your intellect comes in, is because you, to be able to separate yourself from that trigger, especially when you're talking about anger, to be able to separate yourself, again, if you can experience this as with an out-of-body experience where you're looking at characters in front of you, then... Right? It's much easier to say, okay, this is why it's triggering or this is why it is affecting me that way. And I need to f- now I need to apply myself so that I, it doesn't affect me that way. Right. Okay, then you could talk about the tools. But the first step is look at it and say, wow, I'm noticing a pattern. I'm noticing that every time you know, the, the pink bowls are on top of the white bowls, for some reason, I'm flipping out. Right, the stupidest things. We all have those things. It's like it's like I don't understand when my shoes are backwards in my closet and not the other way. Right? It's like all of a sudden I'm flipping out. Why is that happening? But to be able to look at it from the outside and say, okay, now I need to develop tools. Right. Talk about the tools again. Like we said before, the tools themselves or the method is it's 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 a little bit personal. It gets very personal. Right. Right. What are the steps? What are the what are the methods that we use? But the first step is to be able to notice these patterns about ourselves and then apply the intellect to those patterns, especially when you talk about negative emotions, anger, stuff like that. Anger, resentment, depression, these type of things, sadness. When you talk about these type of things, to be able to look at it from the outside and say, that's something that I'm noticing this pattern. I'm noticing for some reason. And then you start looking big picture and you say, oh, one second. 
these things bother me a lot more on the days when I go to sleep after 10.30 or after 11 or when I have a late night, right? If I get stuck in Netflix late at night, episode after episode, right? Then for some reason, oh, genius, the next morning I'm not in a good mood. Is it something that my wife did? No, (laughs) right? Is it something that my kids did? No. Is the guy next to me at shul, is he really that annoying? No. I just had a late night and I have a short fuse today. Okay, now you start remedying the situation. Okay, now I know myself better. That's a major thing is knowing yourself and understanding yourself, understanding what those triggers are, what sets you off, what makes you have, what, what gives you that frustrated feeling or that overwhelmed feeling. What is it? Is it reading your emails too early in the morning? Do those emails pile up overnight because people are working in other time zones? Right? Right. Is it, it's asking yourself those questions. What is causing this? What is, like you said, it's all starting in my brain. It's starting somewhere and triggering an emotion. Right. So can I get to where it's starting and understand that? Why is it starting there? Why is it happening there? And now I can deal with it. Now I can maybe head it off. I can maybe, you know, head off the problem. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let me ask you, uh, now you're giving some good tips for navigating rechanneling negative emotion how can we take advantage of the, the positive emotions like to like to create excitement in doing something that we should be doing very good studying Torah, doing something for work doing uh you know whatever the mitzvah may be right right how can we create emotion around that activity right so there are different there are different methods presented by the rabbis The one that resonates with me is allowing your intellect, actually, this is where the power of the intellect is, allowing your intellect to create emotions. So you come to shul and you say, right now, I don't feel great, right? I'm not excited for this holiday, okay? But then to allow your intellect to create those emotions by thinking, well, wait a second. There's a creator of the world is waiting for me, little old me, to come to shul, sitting patiently, waiting for me to show up for this holiday with my, you know, on Sukkot. He's waiting for me to show up with my lemon and palm frond, right? To shake it, to shake it around. And this is important to the creator of the world. And through this, there are ways to come closer to God through this little seemingly insignificant action. And now you're intellectualizing and now you're saying, okay, wow. Oh, wait a second. I'm starting to feel something. I'm starting to actually feel an emotion where I have an emotional connection to this, right? Allowing your mind to rule over your heart. So when your heart is saying, I'm not excited, allowing your mind to create the excitement and do what what you need. If it means understanding the significance of what, what the action is or what the mitzvah is that you're doing, mm-hmm. then go study before you come to do that. You know you have this challenge. You know you have this challenge that when you come to pray, not you, but when someone comes to pray, they say, I know I have this challenge. I'm just not a rambunctious, excited person. So I come to pray and I'm basically just saying words and it's kind of, you know, it's kind of uh, monotonous. It can be methodical. It's just going through kind of some motions. Yeah, you, this is totally describing me. <laughs> but but the motions. But I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it. Right. Right. But I know I'm supposed to. Okay. Well, I'll start 
applying your intellect to that, which means there has to be some preparation done, intellectual preparation to understand what it is that we're trying to do, intellectual preparation to understand what emotions am I trying to reach? Because if you're just talking about lack, like I don't feel it, it's very hard to fill that hole, to fill that gap, right? I don't feel it. Okay, so now what are you supposed to feel? Well, maybe maybe it takes some study to understand what it is. And when you start having that in your mind as you come to it, the study that you do or what you've read about it or what you've heard about it and you're thinking about that and that's all happening in the brain, right? But the way the, the Balatanya says, the way the Tanya that we, we, we studied together, the way the Tanya says it is that your mind can actually create those emotions by focusing on certain things, right? Talk about the way he says it and it's a great example, Right? A person says, I know I'm supposed to have the, you have a commandment, you're supposed to love God. Right? A person says, well, I'm not so lovey dovey. So, like, what, what am I supposed to do? Right? I'm not this cuddly guy. So, how am I supposed to feel this? What, I mean, you know, I, I kind of, I know that I appreciate, enjoy, and maybe in air quotations, love my family, but it's, n- doesn't feel to me like what you see in the movies, right? It's not right. like there's no pink hearts floating around my head as I walk <laughs> through the front door with my family. And what is that, right? Okay, so think about it. Let's go back to God, right? I know I'm supposed to love God, but what is that feeling? What is that love? Okay, so you start thinking, well, God is, you start thinking about how ever present God is in our lives. You start thinking about how God is the creator. You start thinking about how much control God has on every moment. You start thinking about the fact that God gave you an opportunity to exist in this world and gave you gifts and he gave you abilities well beyond what you deserve. Now, wow. And he gave you tools and he chose you and he chose you to be part of his nation and to be part of his world. I mean, now you start talking, you start feel feel you, f- you start feeling. Now we're talking emotion. You start feeling drawn towards this being. Right. It's then, uh, it's 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 I, I would guess you it's, th- it's thoughts of gratitude. And thoughts and, of gratitude appreciation <laughs> yes. right? fuels that. Yes, appreciation for all these things and now all of a sudden you start you start being drawn to it. The Tanya says, "Look at the paragraph right before Shema." I, this is an insight that I just I just read in the Tanya. It's like so it's amazing because okay. it reframes the order of prayer. Think about the order of prayer right before the Shema. There's mm-hmm. a paragraph there where we say, "Hashem, you chose us. You gave us the Torah. You gave us the the, the toolkit, right? And you chose us to be your nation. And you gave it to us with love. So we're looking at Hashem's love for us. And He says, when you meditate on that on Hashem's love for us then your heart is filled with a reciprocal feeling of love and look at the next what do we say next you should love God but it needs to be framed how do you get yourself in that mode of right. loving God is understanding appreciating being having gratitude for everything that he gave us including especially the Torah right now I'm like a mirror I'm reflecting that back now you should love Hashem, your God. So your mind can actually create these emotions, the positive ones. Right. There's just this is about training yourself to have certain thought thoughts to consider before you want to take on any action. As I mentioned in the beginning, you're you're teaching before Shabbos. 
It's getting us intellectually, getting our thoughts into a frame of mind that then gets me into an emotional state that I'm ready for Shabbos. Exactly. 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 I have to understand it intellectually, and then it can allow for the space to create the emotions to experience. So I understand what it is that I'm experiencing intellectually, and born out of that intellectual understanding is those positive emotions. They're very, and they can become very strong. You can find appreciation for experiences that you didn't even know exist when you apply this kind of method, this, this tool of intellectually understanding something and allowing that to flow to the emotional state. Okay, and this is also very clearly what the sages had in mind when they were creating our sitter. Yes. Yes. I yes. sort of, I have like the, the skip over area where I was like, I'm just going to, like on Shabbos morning. Right. It's a lot to say. There's a lot there. I'm just going to study a little Torah. Like I don't really connect with all this stuff. But now like I sort of, I do see like there was a lot of thought that went into what they telling us, focus on this, focus your thoughts here. It's going to build you. It's going to build up the emotion before you get to the actual Dobbing aspect. It's all about building, yes, 100%. It's all about building that emotion. And the order of the sitter, you know, we've talked about that before, you and I personally. Yeah. The order of the sitter is tremendously important in the order that it is. And to be aware of that order is also important. But so work towards it, right? Yeah. So, so you're looking at a daunting task because, first of all, it's a foreign language. There are messages coded in these verses that they want us to say that maybe I'm not even aware of if I just read the translation. Right. Okay. And, and then there's like an overwhelming number of things that I'm supposed to say in a short amount of time. Okay. That's daunting to say the least. Right. Overwhelming. Right. right? Okay. Yeah. So break it down. So break it down. So you say today... It's about 25 minutes, that introductory part of davening. Yeah. It's about 25 minutes till I have to join with the whole congregation together. You know, we get to the part where we're going to say the Shema. Okay, I'm going to focus on one of these paragraphs. And maybe that's too much. Maybe I'm going to focus on half the paragraph this week. And all I'm going to do is read it slowly and say, I am inside of this paragraph. So that means when King David is describing something in right. Psalms yes. and he says, my enemies attack me and leave me by the side of the road, beaten and bloodied, right? When he's talking about his life, you say, it's not, he's using those words, but it's about my life. Right. I've been given this tool, these words, because it's about my life. And you just read that line and you say, wow, yeah, that's kind of how I'm feeling this week. Or I've experienced this. Yeah, my enemies, whether it be the things that challenge me in life, my evil inclination, right? There could be times in the world or in history when it's actual enemies fighting against me, you know, physical enemies. Yeah. But using those words, but now you're already breaking it down. You're saying, I'm not looking at this whole big 25 pages that I have to say in 18 minutes or whatever it is. I'm actually breaking it down and saying, no, I'm, yeah, I, can, I can handle this, right? I'm going to do one half of one of these paragraphs and that's going to be my focus and then i'll build on that and maybe i'll stay with that half a paragraph for a couple weeks i got a long again we're not expected to be masters of the craft right from the beginning okay so this is what i'm going to do and then you build on it now you're already utilizing the tools that the rabbis set up in the sitter I know, I know we're getting off on a tangent going into the sitter, but right, right, you're, right. you're utilizing the tools that have been given you to create those emotions. But, but the, the sages mm-hmm. who 
you know, light years above any of us today. And they're basically providing us a formula on how to invoke emotion, which is formulaic that can be applied to anything. There's a lot of contemplative thought. I mean, there's probably some things I could, matter of fact, I am, I'm going to write down that I know what to think about to get myself into a certain state. As I mentioned in the intro, you know, one of the first things I would sit there and contemplate is that my early learning from Ram Kaul on why God created the world, because it would create such a fervor of gratitude and just unbelievable emotion, thinking about that he did create all this, the entire world, for, for us, right. to have an opportunity to have a relationship with him. And even more than for us, for me. For me, for exactly. Me. <laughs> yes, I did. Say that. Yes. Like, we're supposed to be sort of selfish in that and say, the world was created for me. Correct. And that created so much emotion. I used to contemplate that all the time because I was trying to build up the motivation to take on learning all the mitzvot and then the resolve to actually do them all. That's you know something I could easily tap back into again. But yeah, no, that's that's very helpful. But you're right. It all begins with thought. I think just, just like the sages do with the sitter and any of my other activities, there are some days when I am like super excited to take on whatever is going on at work. There's a lot of gratitude I have for being in the position I'm in. I'm excited for the, you know, the opportunities. I just kind of like sort of get get those thoughts back into my head and, and play that, that, that script to create the right emotion. I think it's what the sages are telling us with everything. It all starts with the thought. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Rabbi Nachman says it clearly. All pain that we experience comes from our minds comes from our intellect or is it or said in another way is a lack of intellect so if you can apply your intellect to anything you can handle it and you can experience it and it won't be painful you can apply your mind to any part of your life and create those create those emotions or take away those negative emotions right and you can you can really do that you're in control you're in control Rabbi Nachman says, on what you just mentioned, the world was created for me. Okay, now, what are you going to do about it? Says Rabbi Nachman. The world was created for you. Okay, so go fix it, right? The world was created for you. That means your responsibility, yours, you, Yaakov Wogelanter, Dan Coleman, your responsibility is to fix this world. It's on you. Okay, so go do it. So go do it. It's a, it's a, it's a second step in that, in that thinking about the fact that the world was created for me. Now I translate that into action, emotion, doing, and, and living with that idea, right? With that intellectual thought, but now it takes, takes over the rest of me. Right. Which also, when you said that, it just creates back those feelings of being overwhelmed. Yes. As I stayed in the beginning. <laughs> yes. And then we say, wait, but that overwhelms me. And then we do our, we do, we go right back to Hashem. Right back to the humility aspect and asking for help. Okay, great. You created right. the world for me, but it's a little bit too much for me to, to take on right now. Can you help me out? Yes. Oh, it's not all up to me. It's not all up to me. Amazing. Amazing. I can handle this. Beautiful. Any other words of wisdom? Yeah. Let's hear it. Not my words. Again, from Rabbi Nachman, I think that it's worthwhile to mention one of the ways that he frames the discussion about the evil inclination and what he says about the evil inclination. He says that the, the way that you got to look at the Yetzirah is a, he's a prankster. 
okay? And he's running through the marketplace. So you got everyone's manning their booths. Imagine like a shuk, right? Right. Everyone's manning their booths and this guy's selling nuts and this guy sells candy and this guy sells Tupperware and whatever. And he's running through the marketplace and he walks up to every single person with a closed fist and he says, do you want to know what's in here? And everyone's interest is piqued and he continues down the, the hallway of the, of the shuk and he continues next to each stall. And as he goes and people are intrigued, what's inside there? It must be something interesting, important, exciting. It might be what I've been missing in my life. And all the shopkeepers start following him as he continues walking and he's building up a crowd. Right. And it's just one person after another, like the Pied Piper. And he's holding his hand and he walks up to each person excitedly. Don't you want to know what's inside of my hand? And all of a sudden this crowd, he gets to the end of the marketplace. He turns around and he says to them, you guys really want to know. And now the fervor, right? This is like the mob mentality. Show us, show us. And each person is thinking for themselves like this inside of this guy's hand. This this guy just walked and created this this uproar in the market inside of his hand must be the most interesting important pleasurable exciting thing and he opens his hand and it's empty and you realize what does Rabbi Nachman say you realize that he's constantly tricking you and telling you that whatever it is that he has is what you want and it's what you've always desired but in the end says Rabbi Nachman what does it lead to you have to realize he's a prankster He's got nothing in his hand. He has nothing to offer. So in all of these situations, he uses another, another muscle, another, sto- another way to visualize it. You ever had the window blinds open a crack and the sun starts coming through the window? Sure. And you can see like a, a ray of sun, right? Sometimes you, you're like, wow, I didn't know there was so much dust flying around in my air, right? Because you see kind of like it, it almost yeah. looks real, this ray of sun. Right. And you could almost reach out and grab it. Yeah. But you reach out and grab that ray of sun that is so clearly shining into your room and your hand goes right through it. And he says, that's the eight Sahara is he shows you these rays of light where he says, just follow me through the marketplace because I have exactly what it is that you've always desired. I can supply it for you, whether that's honor or the material desire, wealth, whatever it may be. Right. The. The, you know, like the, like in the Ten Commandments you mentioned, you know, the, the neighbor's wife is, it's, that's exactly what you've always wanted, right? He shows you this thing, but then he pulls it away. It's not even there. He doesn't even have to pull anything away. He just opens his hand and it's empty. That ray of light that he's showing you, you can't grab onto it because it doesn't really exist. And so understanding that about the Eight Sahara tells us something I think very powerful is that a lot of the things that he shows us show up in our imagination. We imagine that if I would only do this, that I, I, would, I would just be happy or it would put me in a good mood. Right. right. Talk about, we said before, you know, mind-altering substances, right? But even when you talk about, you know, you don't have to go so far. When you, when you discuss alcohol, a lot of times people are engaging in it because there's real pain that they don't want to deal with. Right. Right. And so they're abusing uh, 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 something that they, is put into this world. Again, they're abusing it because they say this can give me the happiness that is so elusive to me that I can't seem to find. But what they have to realize before they do it, what they have to realize is that that experience is actually an empty experience. And this is every engagement that we have with the Yetzirah. It's he'll trick you. 
He'll try to show you that, no, you have a right to be angry, right? There's something real here. You should engage in anger. Or you have a right to be sad because this is a real sad experience and just stay, resonate with that sadness and with that anger and that's who you are and all the things we talked about. But understanding that his hand is ultimately empty. He's not holding anything. He doesn't hold the keys to happiness, the keys to life, the keys to fulfillment. He holds none of that. His hands are empty. And when you understand that, again, like we said all the way at the beginning, looking at the evil inclination as a character in the story of your life. And when you can do that, you look at him as outside of yourself. Now you can talk about fighting with him. You can talk about battling with him, this outside force. That's not who I am. Who I am, I am good. I want to do good. Outside of me, there's this thing that pulls me away. But if I can fully, fully believe and understand and internalize the fact that his hand is empty, there's nothing there for me. Makes it a lot easier to battle. Beautiful. You know, I I set up this whole conversation with a faulty framework. I really thought there was sort of two foes at hand. One was the etzer raw, and then one was the the emotions of the body. But very clearly, it it's the foe is just the yetzer hurrah because it's a battle for our thoughts and and whoever controls the thoughts, our neshama, our the yetzer is what are pulling the strings to the emotions. Yes. So it's, it's the same foe. Yes, yes. And just... That's it. And, and we said before, step number one, if, you, if this sounds daunting and, uh, and all these battles sound scary, step number one is to know you've already won the battle if you're thinking about how to engage in battle. Right? You've talked on other episodes of the art of war. If a person's even thinking about this as a war, you've already won the first battle. You know that there's a fight ahead of you. You know that you have to engage with it. You know you have to hit it head on. And you know that you have to create the tools, develop the tools in order to fight this battle. All these tools of war, you've already won the first battle. You've already moved the front lines where you are now here and established as a... You are now a foe of the Yetzirah. You're an enemy of the Yetzirah, and that's the worst thing he could deal with is someone who's willing to fight him. Beautiful, Rabbi. I think you gave some amazing insights and, and tips and, and techniques. For one, for initiating the right thoughts to have the right emotions and creating the right emotion around our actions. It's, it's how we have the biggest impact in this world. And two, taking the negative emotions once we have them, once we're stuck with them, once we got there, and rechanneling them into a more positive and more constructive way. So... I appreciate it. Awesome. Hopefully, I'll, I'm going to take all that we learned today. I'm going to apply it. God willing, I'll, I'm confident I'll be able to see some real positive results from it. But hopefully, I can take the banana republic I call my inner kingdom and turn it into somewhat of a semblance of some uh, order. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. Amazing. It's clear from the rabbis that you can do it. You have the ability to do it, and you just have to, you just have to apply yourself to it. Beautiful. Thank you, Rabbi. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting Torch so they can continue to spread Torah wisdom to the world by making a donation at torchweb.org and clicking Donate in the top right corner of the page. And if you would like to get in contact with our host with comments, suggestions for future topics of learning, or questions for him or his guest rabbis, you may email him at president at torchweb.org.